The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about from finally knowing who is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals to the local situation, exceptional status, and more. So I am going to dive into something uh, important our listeners probably should keep track of, and I will try and keep track of. The Women's IIHF Championship is uh, taking place. It's been running since the 6th. Um, today, Finland and Canada, the winner of the Finland-Canada game and the winner of the U.S.-Sweden games will face off. Those, those, two teams will, yeah, those two games will take place today, with the winners going to the gold medal and the losers going to the bronze medal game. Um, you can watch those right on... Uh, the IIHF website, um, which is, of course, IIHF.com. Um, and yet another missed opportunity. Why is this not televised? Uh, literally, why isn't ESPN streaming it? Why isn't one of the women's uh, like why isn't like the Oxygen Network uh, streaming it? I don't I'm or, talking about or NHL you know, Network shows the men's tournaments, the under 18s tournaments. Yep. Why are they not showing the women's tournament? That is a very, very good question. Um, I would love to see it on, you know, my actual TV and not, you know, a laptop. But that being said, yes, watch it. <laughs> it's going to be really good hockey. Uh, both of those games or all, th- all four of those games, really. Um, and I, uh, I hope to be able to uh, get. Uh, to get to sit still and grab one of those games myself. Well, the Canada Finland uh, first game is a rematch of the gold medal game for the men. Somehow I doubt it's the same players. Yeah. Okay, so a rematch of countries. Uh, USA Sweden should be an interesting matchup. I. It, in in this one, you could potentially have another USA Canada gold medal game. I'm not as eager to predict those as I once was. I think the rest <laughs> of the world is catching up to USA Canada. So I'm not as eager to say, yes, we're going to have Finland or Sweden in the final in the gold medal game, but it could happen. That being said, ah, I do actually enjoy watching a lot of women's hockey. They are quite talented, and as we've discussed on many shows, worth the worth the viewing. Absolutely, uh, we have. <clears throat> uh, that said, why don't we dive into one of before we get to the awards? I saw this post earlier this week. Okay. I'm not 100% hateful of it, but I'm really, 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 really baffled. Really, really baffled by the Daily Faceoff top 50 free agents. Um, Okay. Now, I understand that the player who's not on the list 
probably is either going to retire or go back to his old team or the only team he's ever known. That said, there are not 50 better available UFAs this offseason than Patrice Bergeron. Did they purposely leave him off this list because they expect that he's just going to resign in Boston? I, I, I mean, he or, basically said he's not cons- really considering other teams, but there's no explanation that. I mean, if you if you're writing an article such as this, I think that you still have to consider him because you need to consider all UFAs, not just ones that you think are going to sign elsewhere or not just ones that you think aren't going to retire. I think. As a UFA, he should be included on this list. And yes, he should be listed at number one. Sorry. I mean, based on his age, I'm okay with him not being at number one. Uh, um, That said. Yeah. I mean, in defense of the article writer, Frank Saravelli, who's usually pretty good and interesting on Twitter. Um he does say that it's the information is based on in part on market intelligence. So, okay, maybe, but Patrice Bergeron, whether he signs with the Boston Bruins, if he signs with the Boston Bruins is going to have a bigger impact than Nick Letty. He's probably going to have a bigger impact than Frank Vitrano, who played his backside off last night and throughout that series. Um, I think he's going to have a bigger impact than Riley Smith. Uh, more so than Nick Paul. Gee, you, um, think, you think he might have a bigger impact than Nick Cousins? I think he might have a bigger impact than Nick, Nick Cousins. Okay. Ricard Raquel? Uh, <laughs> I, I watched I mean, at least... I watched at least ten games for the uh, for the Panthers this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's split between the playoffs and the regular season. I'm pretty certain I never heard Chase Prisky's name. Chase Prisky, and he's in there at number fifty. Wow, I don't know who he is. I apologize to Chase, but I don't know who you are because I don't recall hearing your name ever. Ever. I mean, the man at number six is probably the most polarizing on this list. That being uh, Mr. Kane. And I'm sort of squirrely on the idea that he's outside the top three. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's, there is some talent song. there. There is some talent there. I mean, Forsberg, Goudreau, but Kane the impact that he has on a game and uh, Andrew Ray wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Now we need to leer, seriously laugh at this. Okay. Who who's on the list that I missed? No, no, no. Chase Prisky. I just looked him up. Oh, okay. Because as I said, I watched games, never yeah. heard the dude's name. No, me neither. In 54 games with eight goals, 23 assists, and 26 PIMS, uh, plus minus of 11, he had a really strong AHL season. Oh, so the reason I haven't heard his name is because he hasn't actually 
played with the big club yet. Oh, no, no, no. He played four whole games in the NHL this year. No. And he managed to get two PIMs, and he was somehow a plus two in that time. <laughs> Frankie. <laughs> there could have been anybody else that you could have stuck in at number 50. I mean, I like giving the guys, giving the guy a little bit of camera time, but. Frankie. <laughs> Were you a little bit hyped up on Captain Crunch and maybe some uh, some of that Brad Marsh and uh, breakfast cereal? I have not tried that, by the way. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. A little too much sugar? A <laughs> little too much. It's okay, Frank. We still love you. <laughs> um, As I was saying. Phil Kessel makes the <laughs> list. Uh, I mean, as a power play specialist for teams that still like using that model. Okay. I don't know that he had, I don't know that he had, I don't know that he's still putting, yeah, no, no, just no. I mean, I like Vincent Trocek. I talked endlessly for years about him coming to the Bruins. I've talked about Nazem Kadri as a Boston Bruin. Yes, those both would be nice two C's, by the way. Because if Bergeron the doesn't come back. Didn't need one, you know. If Bergeron does not come back to Boston this year. Ah, blasphemy. <laughs> Kadri and, and, and you open camp with Kadri and Trocek as your one and two C's. How are you feeling? Uh... I feel pretty good. I don't, I, I, neither one of them. And, and yes, it's a tough comparison to say that neither one of them is Patrice Bergeron. You know, it's true because there isn't another Patrice Bergeron, but if you can have Nazem Kadri and Vincent Trocek as your one and two C's, uh, you're in a pretty good shape. Yeah. Really don't have a whole lot to be complaining about. I could I could I can live with that. And I'm pretty sure that the guys playing on their wings could live with that. Is it a tough sell for to sell Kadri to Marsh Marshawn? I don't think so. I don't think so either cuz I think Brad's going to look at it from a hockey standpoint and not from a personal standpoint. I think I honestly the, I think the fact I think after you give the put the two of them in the same uniform, other teams are going to hate them both more. We're not talking. We're not talking. We're not talking Lucic and Cam and and Camilario or, or whatever. Komisarik. Komisarik. I mean, thank you. Yeah, oh, I don't think I don't think you could put those two on the same team. I mean, no. that that's just not working. No, and I don't think you could probably put Bennington on the same team with Kadri at this point. Uh, class act that he is. Yes. No, you couldn't. But I honestly think that Brad is well. Smart, number one, smarter is not smarter is not the wrong word. I think he's more accepting of okay, from a hockey standpoint, from a winning standpoint, Kadri makes sense. Yeah, he's he's just more pragmatic. Yes. Um, I would also point out that it's been several years since they've had a run-in, okay. um, and that always helps. Um, on to any name, any other names stick out on this list? Um, 
I just thought it was very interesting. And yes, his name comes up. I mentioned him just a few seconds ago. Kane. Interesting tweet from um, Mr. Raycroft. It, he was asked or somebody tweeted out, should the Bruins uh, or would you sign Evander Kane as a free agent? And he was like, absolutely not. My immediate response was to tweet out, why wouldn't you? The man can score goals. The man can be physical. The man can kill he, penalties. He kills penalties. So you got He's got playoff experience. He can. He's a playoff performer. Why would you not sign him? And I never got a reply. So I am shocked by that. Yeah, you and I both. I am I, I was shocked. Heartbroken. I. I. There, I mean, there. There's nothing really to be surprised about. It's just. Yes, they need. Frank Saravalli should have included Patrice on the list. Um, are some names higher than they should be? I think that given how injured Evgeny Malkin has been over the last three or four years. Yeah, that was one I was looking at. He should be outside the top ten. And I would probably slide, you know, if you actually just flipped him and Claude Giroux, I'd probably be happier. Um, uh, I mean, names like names like Evan Rodriguez. Uh, at twenty nine, you know. But now we're nitpicking here. So I mean, after the top ten, it, which are a little odd in order. Uh, Chase Prisky's got. I mean, yes, he stuck him in at fifty. So. I don't know. I, they, they, there's some interesting names on here. Does Holtby is Holtby done, or is he? I mean, and your your buddy Andreas Athanasiu. Yeah. Uh, he's way down at 42. Admittedly, I did not watch. I did not see many of his games. When healthy, they like. It would not surprise me if the Kings bring him back. When healthy, they they actually liked his play. They talked about it during the play during the first round of the playoffs. Uh, his issue was uh, was a health issue at one point. He had like three separate injuries, and, and so. But when he's on the ice and his straight line speed is ridiculous, he had a he was actually a playoff performer. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he was the best in the playoffs because he wasn't, but I don't know. And Athanasiu is a, is one of those. I mean, he put up 17 points in 28 games this year. Yeah. That's not terrible. I he mean, probably, if you look at the 1920 or his 1920 tenure in Detroit before being moved to Edmonton, he only had 24 points in 46 games. Uh, with one less goal than he had in the twenty, in the twenty-eight this year. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that he's only played twenty-eight games this year, only forty-seven last year. Um, I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings resign him anyway. So it depends on what the money is. Yeah, he could end up almost anywhere on a on like a show me contract. There's uh, that too. It, I mean, the talent is there. That's what it. A lot of, and you, and you could say that a lot of these players, the talent is there. They need to 
get it out of their system. I, I, you know, show it. He he shows it in spurts, and we we need to see durability from him at this point. Okay, I'll take that too. Um, hey, and then and then your your buddy Paul Stasny is right there in the middle of thirty. There you go. I know you want a two C, so there's Stasny. Uh two. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not putting him any higher than bottom six center on my team. Sorry. Um, durability is going to be one of the questions for. A yes, we're talking about it early for a good reason. Okay. Uh, twenty twenty-five draft picked draft pick um, Michael Misa has been granted exceptional status uh, and drafted into the OHL. Um, kids like five 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 six, one hundred and fifty pounds at this point. Um, and yes, we're a couple of years away from seeing him. Why are we Why are we talking about him? One not. Not every year is anyone granted exceptional status. And number two, um, the Hockey News uh, compares him to a nut or another recent, um, another recent player to get exceptional status. You know, they talked about all the other guys who have gotten that status, including Steve Stamkos, who had two, who had a really great shot that probably shouldn't have gone in on the first goal last night for Tampa Bay. Um, and then had that sort of deflection off of the rebound of his own shot, uh, that went in for the game, uh, for the game winner. Mm-hmm. He was a player who was granted exceptional status. Um, only a year or two older than, Michael Misa is Connor Bedard, uh, is Connor Bedard, and that's the player the uh, that Ryan Kennedy compares him to. Okay. Um, Connor Bedard, for those of you not keeping track, um, played for the not especially good uh, Regina Pats this year. In 62 games, he had 51 goals, 49 assists, and 100 points. Um, what's really interesting about that is when you look at the rest of the team, number two in scoring was Tanner Howe, um, who is also fairly young at 15. Um, he had 69 points, Riker Evans at 61 and 63. Then the next player, uh, in point scoring is actually an overager, Logan Nyhoff, uh, with 49 points in 57 games. So Connor Bedard, 16-year-old, granted exceptional status just last year, the year before, more assists than the number four, number five scorers on the team, both of whom two plus two to four years older than him, and then everyone else uh, also had less points than he had assists. Uh, this is Connor. I mean, if you're if you're making that comparison. It's that's that's pretty impressive. Yes, it's the dub, but it's not the NHL. But that's something you have to. That's something that you know it justifies Connor Bedard getting that. But are we are we thinking this guy is the you know this the this guy this youngster? I mean he's still he, he's still he's fifteen fifteen. Uh, this young man. Uh, 
do we know, A, if he can take the pressure of being – because there are pressures that come with being a number one pick pretty much no matter where. I mean, he's number one pick in the OHL. He's, you know, at 15, are they going to start with Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid? You know, is it fair to do that to a 15-year-old? I mean, do – Whether it's or fair do, or not, and I'm not – gonna take a position um it's happening he broke Connor mcdavid's points record at the ohl cup yeah yeah that level of talent basically he has to stay healthy and grow i i know the league is nowhere near as physical as it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, much less late uh, or any time between the rather rowdy 70s through the really interesting 90s. But I don't want to see a 150-pound player in the NHL. I The potential for even guys Marshan size to absolutely – ruin their health with an with a clean open body uh, uh open ice hit way too high and when you talk about guys like the size of Jacob Truba or um you know Jacob Truba you've got Ryan Reeves who can lay out a hit if he really wants to Keegan Colasar um Corey Perry if he decides to return uh to the league next year there's, yeah, there's a, that extra 15, 20 pounds when you get to that 160, 165 range. It does make a difference, uh, whether it's pure bone mass or bone and muscle. Um, hopefully the kid grows to reasonable size. I don't obviously know not everyone needs to be six foot two or six foot four and 230 pounds to play in the NHL. But. Yeah, at 15, he's got plenty of time. Uh, I mean, 2025, we haven't even had the 2022 draft. Um, actually, both Connor Bedard and Michael Mesa will be in that. Um, Apparently, there are some good young players on the team that Michael Mesa is on. There's another name to keep an eye on is Malcolm Spence. But uh, there's another 15-year-old named William Moore who also applied for exceptional status but was denied. And from the article I'm, I've, I've read, it sounds like everybody on this particular team that Michael Misa is on is going to be drafted in, in the OHL draft. Um. So Michael Misa and Connor Bedard will be – are both 2025 eligible uh, yeah. because Bedard's got a late birthday. Okay. I have the not so sneaking suspicion that this is going to turn into another Taylor Tyler or even Malkin uh, Ovechkin McDavid, <laughs> draft here. McDavid Eichel. See, I don't, maybe it's just that the Bruins weren't in, in a position to draft as high as, the Taylor Tyler year, but I don't know that I don't know that there was as much 
I don't know that there was as much speculation as to who was going to make the greater impact. Um, partly because one's Canadian and one's American, uh, between McDavid and there was around here because Eichel's local. If you're talking nationally, I can see your argument, but around here, because Eichel is local, because he went to BU, I think it, I think the, the comparison and the whole Taylor Tyler thing was amped up a little bit here in here in the local area, the New England area. Nationally, yeah, I can see where it probably wasn't because McDavid was ex- always expected to go number one. But around here, it, there was plenty of talk about, do you take Eichel or do you take McDavid? So, I don't know. I hope it pans out for this young man. I really do. I wish him the best of luck. And he sounds he sounds like a, from quotes, he's he sounds like he's got his head on straight and he knows what he needs to do and he says all the right things. So um, based on history, uh, Igor Shosturkin appeared on the type of list that generally speaking means you're having a phenomenal year in a losing effort. Um, Stat Center tweeted out early or just a few minutes into last night's game. Uh, most saves by a goalie within their first 20 games of a playoff year. Um, the bottom of the list was Kirk McLean, 643 in 1994. Um, Ken Dryden, 1971. He had 648. Tuka Rask in 13. He had uh, 658. Olaf Kolzig in 98 had 62. Only the goalie. That's the one. Um, at the time of the tweet, which was uh, sometime during the sometime during the game, actually, uh. Shusterkin had had 666 going into that 20th game um, and then had 26 of 27 during the game. Mm-hmm. I would have to double check on some of the older ones, but yeah, that if you're facing that many shots, your defense is allowing too many through. Uh it's like rarely do teams lead the lead uh, in hits of the playoffs and win games. All of what you just said being said, I think Shesterkin would certainly trade these trade this accolade for a game seven. I think he'd trade it for a game seven or easily just, you know, that one more goal in some of these games because the Rangers just didn't get the goal support give him the goal support that he needed. You you can blame anyone on the Rangers if you really, really want to, but Shesterkin. Agreed. Um, and I Agreed. thought there were Rangers who had a really strong series. That said... Well, Ryan Lindgren. Mm. I thought Ryan Lindgren had a really strong series. I thought uh, Ke'Andre Miller had a really strong series. Yeah. I thought Frank Petrano had a really strong series. He did. But the 
Rangers individually had a strong series. The Tampa Bay Lightning as a team had a winning series. Okay, and as much as I'm going to get really sick and tired of hearing about three-peats, does this come down to Tampa Bay has knows how to close out or knows how to win or has been there before or that's some of it. That's is this, absolutely is this some experience it. over first time? Because that's also some of it. But and am I using I'm using that word too much? Another factor is simply how injured some of the key players for the Rangers were. Okay. Um, we mentioned Ryan Lindgren. He did not look good for the first three, four games of the series. Uh, he, I mean, he's clearly a battered man. Um, well, the man block shots like, you know, I don't Ryan know Strom, Ryan Strom should probably not have played at all in this series. Uh, but he did. And at times he even looked, he even flashed the skill. But you basically never forgot that he was not at 100%. Um, and for him, yeah, you're playing for a contract. You're a UFA. You'll be 29 in under a month. And this is handily your best playoff performance. But you also want to go into next year wherever you land healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really I'm going to be fascinated to see where he ends up. I don't know that the Rangers can't afford to keep him. Which means he'll be on to his fourth team, having played for the Islanders and Oilers before this. Yeah. Uh. Shesterkin finishes the playoffs with a 929 save percentage. A which two, definitely not terrible. A 2.59 goals against, which unfortunately is a little high for playoffs, but I don't I, I mean he also finished with the most time on ice uh with 1181 and he also finished with the most points of any goaltender because he had three assists in the playoffs (laughs) the the man showed up (laughs) Uh, if the Rangers don't make their very best effort to keep him in a blue shirt for a lot of years to come that's a major 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 organizational failure yes uh, potentially an organizational failure, or at least, or maybe even just the correction of one. Bruce Cassidy was unexpectedly let go after being told that he would be safe um, at the end of the year. Didn't I say something about the uh, the the dreaded vote of confidence? Always, yes. always positive vote of confidence. Well, here's here's the thing is the the comments, the split in comments between what Sweeney said and what Neely said are pretty stark. Mm-hmm. And guess what? 
Neely's the boss, so he's going to win. True. Um, are you trying to tell? Are you trying to tell me that Sweeney wanted to keep Cassidy? I am a hundred percent certain that Sweeney wanted to keep Cassidy. Everything I've ever heard about the two of them says that the two of them are close. The two of them are friends. Because remember thieves. when when Sweeney was appointed general manager of the bust of the Providence Bruins, Cassidy was the guy he brought in. When Sweeney was made general manager in Boston, he agitated for for uh, Cassidy almost from the word go. He brought him up as an assistant coach and then took the first opportunity to punt uh, the guy who brought a Stanley Cup to town. And despite reasonable criticism, which Cassidy did not really address in his uh, in his style of play. Uh, for the team, he he didn't really change. I mean, I asked the question halfway through the first season with Cassidy: "What's his play? What's what is his game style? What is his system?" I still can't answer that. The younger well, play, according to this, the younger players were afraid to make mistakes in front of Cassidy. How, look at how many times. Connor Clifton ended up in the press box. Look well, that, at how that's a mistake. Look at how many times young players got booted out of town after a season or two under Cassidy and then went elsewhere and played better. Danton Heinen left here, goes to Pittsburgh, is playing top six minutes. Was their leading goal scorer at the beginning of the season. And not just like not just for a day or two for we're talking at about a month into the season month, yeah. six weeks, something like that. Yeah. And Heinen was, if we had, the goal, best if we had the, if we had the goal scoring Danton Heinen, he wouldn't have been traded. <laughs> uh, I mean, he had Danton Heinen is one of them. You know, you saw two or three others who can't, who left Boston and ended up elsewhere, and boom. Ryan Donato went elsewhere. Seattle in the expansion draft? Well, no, he was traded first. He went to Minnesota. Oh, yes, that's right. He was traded to Minnesota for Charlie. He was in the part of the Charlie Coyle deal. Yeah, so his... His last season here, 18-19, he played 36 games, had nine points, same number as he had in the first, in the 12 games of his previous season. He goes to Minnesota, 16 points in 22 games. Um, Minnesota's second year, 14 goals, 23 points in 62 games. That ends up in San Jose, 20 points in 50 games, and then 31 points in... 74 games for the Seattle Kraken this year on a team that was <clears throat> Meh, not a performance, not a high performance uh, roster. And so yet he was still in the top like seven for scoring. So you're telling me they weren't the Vegas Golden Knights of their inaugural season. OK, Jared McCann led that team in goal and points this year. Not not Everly. 
Uh, Everly was third. Wow. Jared McCann. Yeah, if you had that in your preseason pool. Not Morgan Geeky. Damn. <laughs> I mean, Jared, don't, it's not that we're disparaging Jared McCann. I mean, he was a first round pick, 24th overall in 2014. Yeah. But McCann broke into the league in the, in the 15 16 season, the year after his draft had never had more than 14 goals. So the 27 that he had in Seattle might be as much a product of ice time, which always helps as of anything else. Uh, Jordan Everly. I don't know. I think Jordan is just sick of being in losing environments. I would love to see Jordan Everly on a team that's expected to win a cup or expected to be in the conference finals. Uh, because, I mean, you go back and you look at his 1920 performance uh, for the Islanders. He had 14 points in 22 games in the playoffs, which is nearly half of his playoff um, total points in about a third of his playoff games. I, I think that he's kind of a windsock. Not necessarily the most terrible thing, but. Um, OK, here's something I was not aware of. Not only did he get the dreaded vote of confidence, but apparently Cassidy was allowed to fire an assistant and begin to shape his assistant coaching staff for next season. Yeah. Why would you why would you let him start making changes? Do you have no concept of timing? I think this was a thing where Neely said to Sweeney. Sweeney's trying to, to take changes. Sweeney's trying to fall on the sword and take the blame, saying that it was his decision. I yeah, exactly. You don't have to expand that that that. I, I think makes. it was more. Look, you can fire him or you can pack. And Sweeney chose to pack, or rather, fire him. There you go. I was going to say Sweeney's still around. He hasn't packed anything, I, according to, and and I'm. Oh, this is a oh, it's Jimmy Murphy. Hi, Jimmy. How you doing? Uh, according to in the middle of this, he he did sneak in a little um, italicized note that um, the athlete there is an athletic report that cites philosophical differences between Sweeney and Cassidy started developing midseason. Moo, droppings. I have not, <laughs> I have not gone to look up said athletic article. But I um, will certainly do that. But part of that whole Cassidy equation is mm-hmm. a report since reputed uh, that David Pasternak, who is entering the last year of his contract, would not come back if Sweeney is still general manager. Well, from what I read, and I think I read the same report you did, from what I read is that basically Pasta is upset because – They've gotten rid. They got rid of two of his best buds. Yeah. And in um, Tory Krug was one of them. I, I forget who they the other should name not have. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's already started. Yep. Uh, so 
he yes, I read the same thing. He won't sign here. Sweeney's still around. And then it was like a day or two later, articles came out refuting that, saying that there is no bad blood between Sweeney and Pasta, and he's certainly willing to play here. And and this, it's like this sounds remarkably like somebody was told that they needed to get this story out quickly. Yeah, Pluto, uh, Pluto Shinzawa, formerly of the Boston uh, Globe, currently with The Athletic. The I'm Athletic mistaken. is the person who put out the first reports. Uh, and that's that, why I tended to believe him. I mean, it, like Pluto or not, he is t- he is he's been covering the Bruins for a while. He's got Bruce some crazy. Yeah. Krejci's the other one. Thank you. Yes. I don't know why that didn't come to mind immediately. But seriously, I've had problems with Sweeney as a general manager for basically his entire tenure. It's not just and it's not just any one thing. It's the whole body. It's an amalgamation of things. It's the whole body of work. The 2015 draft. That was a. Well, that was a complete and total. um, With the exception of picking up. uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor Hall. No, no, no. Uh, from the 20, well, Taylor Hall was his best pickup. Or arguably, you could say that it's Charlie Coyle. Uh, Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle was uh, Charlie Coyle is a very good a, a very good pickup as well. Uh, but you look at the Bruins' 2015 draft. Zaboral. <laughs> <laughs> Jake DeBrusque, inconsistent, probably partly because of the head coach. Senishin, no longer Zach Senishin, here. Senishin, terrible. No longer here. Uh, didn't even didn't even play five games at the end of the season for Ottawa. I think he only got into like two or three. You have Brandon Carlo, who is hands down the best player, who has been the most consistent player from that draft. Yeah. And then you let go Jerry, Jeremy Lozon in the expansion draft. You traded Daniel Blader for no real reason. And the rest of the draft might as well not exist. You made the trade for... You made the Rick Nash trade, which yeah. I, you've all heard enough of. Everyone listening has heard me talk about that enough. Um, there's just when I look at his drafting when I look at his trades when I look at his free agent moves I'm not impressed no I mean based on what we know right now his his best his three best overall moves are Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Um, Hampus. I, I mean, no. I'll, I'll throw Hampus in there. Hampus Lindholm. Yeah, Hampus Lindholm and Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall in seven years. <laughs> and after that, you get murky. David Poyle, he is not. George McPhee, he is not. John Chaka, he is not. 
because Pasternak was I don't think Sweeney was GM that year. I don't believe Pasta was a Sweeney. Pasta was was I think Pasta was last year of um Chia Pete. Chiarelli. Like that. I know that Neely went up and made the Neely went up and announced the pick though. You're right. It, 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 Pastor was not a Sweeney pick. Um, he started with the 15 season. So when you look at when you take a that cold sober look at the drafting and development of the Sweeney era, you have Brandon Carlo. Which is not over. Charlie McAvoy as the two successes. Uh, Grizzlick. Uh, Grizzlick was before that. Oh, Grizzlick. Oh, yes. Grizzlick was 14, I believe. 13. Something like that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. He was actually 12. 12. Was he that far back? Wow. Yeah, because we saw him over at Restucia. Oh, that's right. Yes. All right, so uh, he's he's pre uh, another one pre Sweeney. There you go. So yeah, drafting and development. You have well, you could put Lingren in there, but that he didn't actually develop him. He just traded him away. Yeah, let's not get that get me started. Your your two biggest successes, or in in order, your only successes are McAvoy mm-hmm. and Carlo. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, it looks like he will probably be a success again, but he had that. He will, great, be, some, he will be somewhere else. He had that great number two uh, second season. He can't, he bounced back really well this year, but that's only two good seasons out of five. How much of that is the now gone coach? Some. Some. There's you point you start looking at you start looking at Stanika can't stay up with the club. But again, here's the here's the question. How much of this is based on Cassidy? A a young player makes any mistake and they're at best benched for a period or probably sent off and not getting in for two or three games. I'm. The thing is, there are other coaches that do that. But they do it effectively more often. Yes. And Trent Frederick. That's where I, I was go- That's where I was going with this. He's not the only one to bench players because he's unhappy with their performance. But he, for some reason, his the efficacy of his doing such things doesn't seem to work. And I think that goes back to the question I've been asking since since Cassidy first got here. What's his system? Oh, he doesn't have one. We're we're not in the locker room. We're not on the ice during practice. So at one remove, it should be somewhat more difficult, not impossible, but somewhat more difficult for us to see the to see the system and understand it. When you're standing within touching distance of the head coach on a regular basis, if you can't get what the system is, 
or what your expectations are, you're either not bright enough to play hockey, already suffering from CTE, or it's not been explained. Oh, you don't have one. I I met Trent Frederick. I met his parents. I met his younger brother. Um, I was there. Thank you. (laughs) I don't think any of the family is stupid. No, they're not. Although the son, although the other son prefers basketball to hockey. Oh. <laughs> Weird. But they're, they're very nice folks, very intelligent. They 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 actually seemed to they they were very much aware with what was going on with Trent. They were very 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 much hockey educated. They they weren't. It wasn't like they went. Well, you know, he plays this and then. no. They I I liked them. They're very nice people. But here's. And here's the thing, whether Bergeron comes back this year and whether he plays next uh, the season after or not, mm-hmm. you've got, I won't call it a treasure trove of young players, but you've got a lot of young prospects from the COVID era that haven't seen the NHL yet, who probably should be getting exposure. So as much as I'm not a big fan of keeping Sweeney around... I understand the whole let's see what we have because you've got Fabian Lysel, Mason Lorai, uh, Trevor Kuntar, Quint Ols- uh, Quinn Olson. I like Trevor Kuntar. Um, those that that handful of guys. Um, you can also th- maybe throw Ryan Mast, um, John Beecher into that into that mix, and a couple of kids they picked up as UFAs who we'll talk about. Uh, on a later show, I think Beecher's going to get himself a, a good look this this off season. I hope so. Um, but you've still got Studnika hanging around. But Frederick is all this around. is all this reason to keep Sweeney? The thing is, is if you get a new general manager, uh-huh. you're basically saying we're got. You're going to have to look for a general manager who wants to. Keep building versus rebuild. And if you rebuild when you have nothing or when you're widely ranked as having a low performing system, a low value farm system, you're basically just flushing everyone there. There's probably at least one or two roster player, consistent roster players in the system. Now, whether it's consistent top line, consistent top deep pairing, not going to go that far. But I think there's some top six, middle six forwards. Um, the defense is a little harder to grasp. Um, I do think Mason Lorai has that potential. So, in, um, so in so doing, in so doing this, in so firing Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney has made himself. It's not the right word, but I'm going to use it. Made himself invaluable to the organization. No, 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 no. He's he's bought himself time. Oh, okay. He's in a sinking boat. <laughs> he's flat out in a sinking boat. If he can't make this team viable, particularly if Bergeron comes back, with his choice of head coach, his which will be the third head coach under his tenure. Um, how many head coaches did we have on the chief on the Chirelli? Uh, well, there was Uncle Dave. 
I think he I think he inherited Uncle Dave. Mm, no, he got Uncle Dave uh, and he was only here for one year, but I think there was one more coach ahead of him. Uh, but that's way off topic and we still yeah, have to discuss the finals and a couple of other things. Uh, I know, I know. It gets so much fun to start. But back into the story. Um, so Sweeney, Sweeney bought himself time. We need to see what we have in in the what we actually have in the mind because it is it is very low ranked as far as our prospect pool. But we need to see what we have. Uh, top five, who they are. He needs to hire a coach. I, to my mind, two things need to happen for. Assuming Bergeron comes back um, for Don Sweeney to have a job when the cup is handed out next year. At least two of the prospects from whether it's this year, which I don't see happening, the 2022 draft. Anywhere from 2022 to the 2017 draft Mm -hmm. have to stick on the roster and play more than 35 games. Okay. And that's and I don't think that they're more than 35 games each. I don't think that's a ridiculously high bar. They have to come in at some point in the season and prove that they are too good for the AHL. And they need to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think those two things absolutely have to happen for Sweeney to still be in this uh, to still be in the corner office at this time next year. It's a tall task because Fabian Lazelle, he might well be, uh, he might well make the roster next year. But a okay. lot of these other young prospects aren't signed yet. And guess what? The Boston Bruins don't have a first round draft pick this year. Um, so the odds of a second round or later, assuming they don't make trades for a pick, um, making it into the NHL and sticking and being productive in the first year are not the best. Can I throw one other spanner in the works real quick? Oh, um, Sweeney and Neely, whichever, whoever Sweeney slash Neely fired Bruce Cassidy. Make They're making, he's, he's started the change. Don Sweeney, as of this moment, as far as I know, does not have a contract himself. I I believe he was extended. As far as I know, he was extended. They didn't say how long, which to me says one year. Um, I personally in I missed I mi- I missed the announcement if they did, so I apologize. It wasn't really an I'm... announcement. It was something that was said uh, during a press conference. Oh. Um, but. Of the young forwards who are signed, uh, who are available for in this time period, you've got Beecher, who's signed to his entry level, Curtis Hall, Georgi Merkulov, who we mentioned in a previous show, Fabian Lasselle, uh, who I think is nicely talented, um, Mark McLaughlin, who we saw in a couple of games this year, Samuel Aslan, uh, Jacob Lauko, who I'm not particularly high on. Um, Studnika needs a, or is an RFA, uh, no arbitration rights. 
Uh, Jesper Froden is a UFA, um, so they probably need to move on him if they want to. But on defense, that's the area that the team really needs to make the biggest moves on. They addressed it slightly somehow, a little tiny bit, by signing Kai Wisman um, just in the last day or two. They signed Michael Callahan around the same time that they signed uh, McLaughlin. Um, But that's it. There are three prospect defensemen signed at the moment in their junior system and outside the NHL. Berglund, Wisman, and Callahan. That's it. Ashan is not signed. Wolf is not signed. Um, Cody Curran, UFA. Uh, He was part of one of the trades earlier this year, and yeah, no. Um, But (laughs) the other part of the Cassidy equation is, of course, who do you replace him with? Um, There's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of names, and we'll go over some of them, but then I'm going to ask you a question, an important question. Ooh. on the coach's decision-making before starting with the desire to come here. So uh, the names you, I think you had the lists up as some of the names up. Uh, Ty had an interesting article with some names on it that I like. Uh, obviously there's um, John Tortorella. There's David Quinn. There's it. it, it Depending on who – I mean, most of the articles that I've seen, most of what I've heard, the same names pop up. What I liked about Ty's article, and we know Ty, but what I like about Ty's article is that there are names in that list that other people are not throwing out there. And some of them I would not expect it to happen at all. Rick Bonus, I don't see him coming back yet. He's already coached here once. I don't know that he comes back to the organization. I don't know that Sweeney wants to bring him back to the organization. I did. Uh, but then he's got names like Spencer Carberry in there. And, and who has anybody even heard of Spencer Carberry? He's an assistant coach with the Maple Leafs. I yeah. really admit that I had not. I did not remember the name. But there, there are the the consider. I'm mean, Ryan Mujanel. Another game, another name I hadn't really thought of because he's only really been in Providence a short time. Right. Uh, Mark Recky. That one, that's a really curious one, um, and I'm willing to consider it because I know that Ty is fairly plugged in. That said, I don't see it happening. He was an assistant coach on Mike Sullivan's Pittsburgh staff, 2017 to 2020. Uh, he doesn't mention here um, about any head coaching experience. And that's one of the things that I think works against Recky um, and some of the other coaches. Sadly. I don't see Sweeney putting in someone who has no head coaching experience, even if the head coaching experience is in college or juniors. Um, I, I think that's more valuable to Sweeney's Sweeney's mathematics and analytics than 
just being a Hall of Famer. Uh, another name that he's thrown out there, Mark Savard. <sighs> just that. Uh, Can't do it. He's currently a head coach with the OHL Spitfires. First year behind the bench, 44-17 in second and seven. Second best penalty kill, third best power play. I I have nothing against Mark Savard. He is an assistant. He was an assistant coach with the Blues in 19 and 20. The year. So the year after they won the Cup. Um, um, responsible for their power play that finished with the third best power play in the league. Um, I'm coming around. With Savard, you're, uh, with Savard and one of the other names, a name that I like slightly better for the team. The next one that I was about to say, which makes Ty oh, your best buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get to him, though. Okay. Uh, uh, that I like slightly better. Um, you only have two players who have played with them left on the roster. Mm-hmm. If it, with, and same with Recky, for that matter, because he's he's been gone quite some time at this point. Um, when they look at, I did see someone tweeting out a suggestion that Milan Lucic coached the Bruins, which I find somewhat hysterical since he's still actively playing. Uh, yeah, I was going to say he ha- he would have to like retire first from actively playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought I saw another former. Oh, I saw and Zdeno Chara was another name that I saw thrown out. Also, I don't know how serious tech- those. Still technically active, but yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> but for I mean for for uh, Zdeno Chara, he's played with I don't know sixty percent of the roster. I don't know. I mean, sure, everyone's probably used to listening to him, but I don't know how that transition works. From I suppose it's a shorter trip from captain to head coach, but Chara also has zero coaching experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milan Lucic has zero coaching experience. Exactly. The guy who's next on your list is someone, if I were sitting in Sweeney's office, who would be in my short list of five to interview for the role. So... <laughs> We must be talking about the same guy then. <clears throat> Another former Bruins player. Just wrapped up his fourth season as an assistant with the Kings, who, by the way, made it to the playoffs. Uh, shockingly, because I know you didn't pr- pick them. I, I uh, The West of, was so much of a mess that there was no point in picking any more than four teams but, to make the playoffs. But if you look at the way that team performed, I mean— they were certainly overachievers. They 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 played well. Um, yeah. But okay, it's a mixed bag. He came under fire for some uh, the Kings' power play struggles. They finished twenty seventh last year. But he's forty three years old. Marco Sturm. I didn't realize uh, he was that much older than Bergeron. Forty three years old. Uh, Team Germany's head coach in the eighteen Olympics. That wanted where they won a silver medal, served in the head coaching role for Germany at various levels from 2015 to 2018. 
we've been talking about him, and you are a much uh, you are a much higher backer of Marco Sturm as a head coach than I am. I like him. See, for me, I'm not as sold as you are, but we both like him. Yeah, just if they bring him in over others, how is it? he's going to be accepted here because he's a former Bruin? Okay, my part of my reason for liking Sturm ahead of some of the other players, former players on the list, mm-hmm. um, and even some of the head coaches on the list. And I wasn't going to touch on this, but when you look at the player at the former players turned head coaches to have success in the league, almost all of them were like bottom six extra players or like press box all stars. Um, where they had a chance to learn and watch, and <laughs> um, the guys like Mark Savard. Even Mark Recchi, mm-hmm. they, for most of their careers, were so far above the rest of the world in hockey that they never had to think about it. Okay. Or, and they probably, like, you look at Gretzky, he was not a great head coach. I don't particularly love him as a studio analyst. I think he's occasionally funny. Um, he's certainly not any in any way abrasive, but I've said it all postseason. The best analyst in the broadcast this year, in the broadcast booth, both both in terms of in depth view and Biznast. yeah, it's been it's been it's been biznasty. He's been most entertaining and the most insightful. Because he had to think about it, and he had to think about everything he did on the ice in order to keep a roster spot. Gretzky basically had to show up and just breathe okay. on. How does that relate to to Sturm? Yeah, Sturm was a really good player. Sturm was, was top top six forward for the Bruins. He was a top six forward for the Bruins because he had great chemistry with Patrice Bergeron. But if you go back and you look at his numbers, mm-hmm. they were solid. They weren't all star. He was never uh, he was never going to win a Rocket Richard. He was never going to win. Um, he was never going to win the Hart Trophy. I mean, his career high in goals was back in San Jose with twenty eight. Um, his career high in points was 56 in that uh, 07-08 season here in Boston. Okay. I, I mean, you, you're, the best comparison for current players is probably Jake DeBrusque. And Jake DeBrusque is a solid player, but I don't think anyone is penciling him in for uh, penciling him in for the um, Hall of Fame at this point. I think those guys who have to struggle to stay in their roster spots, to stay elite or to stay in the NHL, they think about it more and they're better prepared for the transition to coaching. And they're probably better able to explain why and how things get done and need to be done um, in order for it to stick uh, to 
to those to the players who need the coaching. I mean, for guys like David Pasternak or Brad Marchand, it's basically for Brad Marchand, it's cut it out. You're crossing. You're going to cross lines and get suspended. Take a deep breath, whatever. For David Pasternak, it's change your sticks, go for a run, whatever it is that gets you more focused. Just calm down. But for guys like Trent Frederick and Jackson Nika, um, who need that connection uh, and someone to help them help anchor them. I think that Sturm or a similar type player turned coach is a better, is going to do better. Okay. So in the interest of, of time, because we just have all these things to talk about, do you have a name or is Marco Sturm your name? Do you have a name that you would like to see them? If if, I have mine and I guess it depends. Okay. Are you rebuilding because Bergeron isn't coming back? In which case, I almost don't care. Are is Bergeron coming back and you're going for it? If Bergeron is coming back and you're going for it, mm-hmm. I probably want John Tortorella. If you're rebuilding, stole my, stole my name. All right. If you're rebuilding and you're going to be patient with it. And Neely is going to take over as GM as well as president if Sweeney is dismissed, or at least guarantee Sturm the uh, a cup like a three years as head coach. Um, I it would be Marco Sturm um, because I think Sturm has more shelf life with a not so great team than or has the potential for more shelf life with a not so great team. Um, But that's my, that's the question I was going to ask. Given that this is the third, this person will be the third head coach for Sweeney. Yes. And there's apparently some disagreement between Sweeney and Neely uh, already brewing or already in place as a head coach. Do you really want to be the guy going in, knowing that the top of your roster, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak are all aging or at the end of their contracts, and that the that the farm system isn't that good? Is that like is that a long term? Is that does that strike you as a good long term prospect? For me, the answer is nope. For me, the answer is absolutely not. No, whoever you bring in as head coach, and that's anybody from Spencer Carberry to John Tortorella and all in between, it's not a good situation. I think for Spencer Carberry, it's probably a good situation since it would get him to the NHL and NHL exposure faster than almost any route. But for guys like Tortorella, for Claude Julien, for – who nobody mentions, by the way. Um, I've not, se- not seen his name on any list. Oh, because he might actually hang Don Sweeney in his office by his thumbnails. <laughs> um, I would love. Would he do that? Hmm. I'm going to go might with. Make him feel like it was going to happen. I'm going to go with yes, he would. I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> but go ahead with your choices. 
honestly, I, I, it's not a good situation. Ultimately, yes, I would love to see you and I both love the man. I, I, I'm sorry, Ty. I know that you said that it's not a good situation for him to come here because it wouldn't be a total buy-in. But if they are going to be using younger players who they need to buy into the system, I, I would love to have Torts in at the beginning of, of some kind of youth thing and get them used to his system, get them used to his his way of coaching, his style. He can get used to them and what they do and whether they should be around, not be around. I, I like John Tortorella. That being said, if it is, if it is something like a, a total rebuild and you're going to, after one year and Sweeney is going to be gone, you know, he's the new GM is going to want to bring in his own personnel. Do you might as well go with Pete DeBoer at that point? Pete DeBoer is a really solid coach. And I think for one year he can, he can tweak the, he can twist the tails of the players and get them aimed in the right direction. But I think he's got a short shelf life anyways. I want a coach who's I want a coach like Gerard Gallant. I want somebody who can come in and in a short period of time write the shit. I I I know there aren't Gerard Gallants out there to be had, but he's he's got a track record of doing it now. He's done it with multiple organizations. Ultimately, that's what I would like to see. The problem is the personnel that he's coaching is not in the same situation. Gerard Gallant gets a team that is youthful. Uh, I mean, what is their average age? 26, 26, 27 years old? They were the youngest They're just under 27 years old, the Rangers, who fought valiantly, but uh, ultimately will not be in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, That will be... The Colorado Avalanche with home ice against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want towards. Would you would you go with a Barry Trotz or is he now? I don't have anything against Barry Trotz. He's just not my first choice. Okay. The other the other issue with Trotz is he's. I don't. I don't know. That's that's a different show. We'll talk about that next week, maybe. Okay. Stanley Cup Finals, as I mentioned, ready to roll. Um, Wednesday night, Abs will kick off at home against the Bolts. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for this series. I mean, it's now the saddest time of the year because we're right in between what hopefully will be the best series of the playoffs right right now right now is the equivalent of and all little kids a week before christmas <laughs> yeah it's it, we're in that we're in that magical it, you place know you, you're so close you can taste it but you know that after that you're gonna have to wait another year that magical place <laughs> between the last school day before christmas and christmas itself mm-hmm <sighs> And then blah. That's that's where we're at. Yes. Um. What do you like about the bolts for this series? I, 
their resiliency. They're, they're, they've shown their ability to uh, come from behind, faced a little bit of adversity. Thought that I honestly thought the Rangers were going to knock them off. I thought that those first two games, Rangers yeah. looked like world beaters. Yeah. So they're resilient. I mean, they they have a championship pedigree like Cooper or not. And to be honest, I don't know how much effect Cooper is having on Bounds all of those. Sales. Uh, he gets to walk up and down the tunnel and come out on the bench and, and take all the accolades anyway. The count of coattails, yeah. Yeah. So, but this team is resilient. They've been there. They've done it. They know what it takes to win. They and also I think, don't and you get can't, bluster. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you can't downplay that. You can't quantify it either. It's how it's real. But it okay. is a real thing. Having playoff experience, having been there before, having Stanley Cup experience is a real thing, whether you want to admit it or not. For me, I love the fact that the Bolts really I mean, the abs don't really have a weakness. They can score in bunches. Mm-hmm. Their defense, not terrible, not not the best. Um, or they don't have uh, their their power play is decent. Uh, their penalty, their power play is beyond decent. Uh, their penalty kill is strong. They, I found when I looked at the stats that neither of these teams is actually above fifty percent in faceoffs. So that's pretty interesting heading into uh, heading into the postseason. That's one of those things or that falls heading into under the Stanley the, Cup finals. That's one of those things that falls under the heading something's got to give then because somebody has to win a faceoff. Yeah. Uh, eventually. Um, overall, though, you look at the stats here and mm-hmm. one stat really stands out. <sighs> the same percentage of the goaltenders. The okay. Abs goaltenders mm-hmm. have a combined goals against average of 3.06 with save percentages of 906 for uh, Frankus and 897 for Kemper. Mm-hmm. For Tampa Bay, it's a 241 and a 928 uh, for Vasilevsky. Yeah. <sighs> the, allowing for the question of rust versus rest, allowing for Kadri to be back or not. Or even for Kemper to be back or not. I'm smelling a three-peat. Really? And I'm still of the mindset that Colorado is going to take this. I'm going to have to go with Tampa Bay in six. And I think that they're just going to – I think that we're going to see less scoring – than the abs are used to. We're going to see 3-2 games. We're going to see 2-1 games. And I don't know that the abs can win 2-1 against Vasilevsky and company. And I'm seeing high-powered offense. I'm seeing points points are not on the avalanche. The points are not just coming from 
one place. The points are not just coming from McKinnon. They're not just coming from – they're coming from McKinnon, Rantanen, Comfer, Kadri. Uh, they're coming from the third line. You got uh, – Makar is a all-hail-kale. Makar is a real thing. And whether you like him, don't like him, he's too offensive for your taste. He, the the kid plays defense the way it should be played, and he gives you a little more offensive punch. It, it's a real thing. And I think they might be a little too much. As Yes, Vasilevsky is still the best, as they would say, the talking heads would say, the best in the world as far as goaltending until somebody knocks him off. You have to say it's something laudable about him. So fine. He's number one goaltender in the world at the moment. He will stop a lot of rubber, but I just, I think that it's going to be too much. I like Tampa Bay, but I don't know that anybody's been able to throw at them. What Colorado is going to be able to throw at them. I have Colorado in six. I know you can't convince me. I so this, you have I mean, to have a little bit. This one has to be decided on the ice, but I think that the. I mean, if you. I don't know. I I just think that the def, the combination of the better goaltending and the better penalty kill for. Tampa Bay with that experience factor, that X factor. Six for uh, six for Tampa Bay, uh, particularly if the abs come in rusty, it could even be shorter than that. Okay. Colorado and six. I think they just have a little too much firepower. That's that's fine, but for me, in order to in order for the in order for the abs to win, mm-hmm. they have to get at least two games from their goaltending where they allow one goal or less. I'm not sure you can do that with Kucherov and Stamkos and uh, you've got Braden Point and Pilat and the rest of that Tampa Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, Corey Perry has scored five goals. Ross Colton has scored five goals. Um, Nick Paul is scoring. Pat Maroon is scoring. Victor Hedman is scoring. Um, I'm, I honestly still expect more from Brandon Hagel. I think that he might just have one of those games where he looks ridiculous. His his shooting percentage has been stupidly low so far in the playoffs. If he starts shooting like normal, it uh, could be all over. So for me, uh, who do you think would have to stand up and be world beating for the Tampa Bay Lightning to beat the Avalanche? Stand up and be world beating. Yep. I think you need to see. I think you need to see more from their 
second and third line D. Yes, they got Victor Hedman. Love Victor Hedman. You and I both love Victor Hedman. The guy does it all. Sergachev has struggled at times. Chernak has struggled at times. Uh, you, we talk about Ryan McDonough and his ability to block shots, but he doesn't. He 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 doesn't contribute as much as I would like to see on the offensive side of things. I'm not saying that he has to be Kel McCarr, but there has to be some kind of actually has more goals this year than he did last year when they won the cup. Okay. I, I honestly, I, I think that could be, I think that could be where they would need to stand up. Yes. Top line, top pairing. Sure. They're done deal. But I think that they're, Middle and bottom pairings need to step to the fore. I can see that. Um, I suspect we're going to have a fun series in front of us. We're going to be talking about this series for... I can't I, imagine this series will end in five games or less. I just not... I don't, I don't see sweep. I don't see sweep anywhere. Uh, regardless of who wins this, you're going to have to battle for it. This is not going to be cakewalk city. No. Uh, and I think, oh, the NHL awards. Well, there is one important award, but we should talk about more than just one. The thing I want to talk about isn't even the awards per se. It's the presentation. They're doing an NHL awards show that's going to run during the Stanley Cup final. But they've already handed out half the awards. Like, how dismissive is that of all of those awards, including the head coach, including, you know, perhaps arguably, okay, maybe not even arguably, but one of two or three first ballot Hall of Famers in Patrice Bergeron who who are going to are picking up an award this offseason. You Masterton, Selkie, Clancy, Lady Bing, Jack Adams, Coach of the Year, Messier Leadership Award, the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, and uh, is the NHL trying to tell us that these awards aren't as important as the Hart yes. Vesna, Calder, and yes. Lindsay? The NHL has come out and stated, we don't value these awards enough to make them part of our big show. So the head coach, of, so the Jack Adams Award is not important, but the Jim Gregory GM of the Year Award is important enough to be on the live show. Yes. Uh, okay, maybe I'm not connecting the dots here, but head okay. coach on how the ice. Minutes, with, how many minutes per night does the head coach spend on camera versus the GM? On average? Well, the head coach usually has to do post-game, pre-game press conferences. So probably um, around a ratio of 20 to 1, maybe higher. 
behind the bench, you know, making decisions. Um, yeah, it's it's probably a 20 to 1 ratio at best. Okay. So, yeah, you're completely right. The the Jack Adams not being on the award show, but the general manager of the year being on there. Come on. E.J. McGuire Award of Excellence to the Draft Prospect of the Year. I didn't even know that award existed. I didn't either, and I'm not sure that it should. The that's Draft the Prospect of the Year? That's going to be on the award show and not the Selkie or the Jack Adams. And I'm sorry. Yes. Or my the bias, service award. My bias is about to come out. Because we here in Boston love Willie O'Ree. How do you not have that award on TV? When community, community hero. We're not talking about the players making millions. We're not talking about the prospects making uh, entry levels. We're not. Ta- we're talking about community. What some the person winning that award is somebody that's in the community. They're also, they're also, they're so they're in those community awards go to people who are not just feeding into the development of players, but they're feeding into the marketing of the league as a whole. Because feeding better, into the education of youth, most oftentimes. To not include these awards on the show, the word heinous is an overstatement, uh, but it's reprehensible. Vulgar. I'm I going like, to go with the I word like, vulgar. I like reprehensible. <laughs> it is an absolute vulgarity not to include the community service award. Uh, the Hart Trophy, okay. The Hart Trophy is almost a almost a done deal, unless you know somebody is going to vote for Shesterkin. But it, it, the Norris Trophy, well, unfortunately, your three nominees are the top three point getters for defensemen in the league. Again, again, and we have we've had many discussions on that Rookie of the Year. I don't even know who's up for it because this year uh, most of the rookies were meh. I don't know of one that stood out and said, hey, look at me. The the awards you've chosen to showcase, just no. I understand that they're the whatever. No, this is wrong. It's reprehensible. It, this is bad. You want to know why you're third or fourth in in the line for sports? It's stuff like this, which completely negates all of the good that the NHL does. Yeah, not a fan. Probably will not watch the show because of it. Uh, And you notice I didn't even mention that, you know, guy who's winning an award for the fifth time and going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer should get a little bit of camera time. But. Oh, wait, now I did mention it. Yeah, I didn't even see the award presentation. I saw the one for the head coach, but Mr. Selkie is not going to be on TV. And I think that's they're going to be renaming the award for this guy and he can't get 30 seconds of airtime. Come on. Come on. I don't get it. They're going to name the award after them. Come on. 
And I think that's where we need to leave everything this week. Uh, have a great week. Um, Wait, try and take some of this time off to enjoy the IIHF games. Um, enjoy some time out in that glorious sunshine that at least 10 or 20 of us will get to see this week. Um, and Wednesday night, uh, we'll be back. We'll be live. I'll be on the Twitter machine, um, watching the Stanley cup finals between the Tampa Bay lightning who are going to win and the Colorado avalanche who are going to have home ice. Grab your favorite snack, grab your favorite adult beverage or any beverage for that matter. And strap in for two and a half hours of excitement. Maybe. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. As always, share the show. We'll see you and hear you soon. Tweet at us. Drop us email. Take care.